Hey, what's going on? It's At The Letters, presented by Miller Lite, the original light beer. Today is Wednesday, June 16th. My name's Arden Zwelling. Ben Nicholson-Smith is with me, as always, our producers this week, Andrew Norton and Mike Tassoni. Ben, the Blue Jays are just this team of extremes on a night-to-night basis it is you know immense think about it two days ago three days ago they blow out the boston red sox score like 18 runs jeremy beasley's thrown in the bullpen as rowdy gets into one a long way to right in the eighth home run of the game for the blue jays that is the record for a red sox pitching staff surrendering home runs at fenway park eight uh, in one day then it's this team could be special who's gonna pitch to this lineup they haven't even added george spring yet this offense is off the charts they're this plucky young group on the rise and they're going to the postseason and like here we go they're going to take down the american league east and then you watch tuesday night's game and they blow a lead late the bullpen coughs it up and there's a fastball ripped down the left field line that's going to score a run frazier with extra bases as wade comes in to score and the yankees have a 6-5 lead and the next morning, it's, uh, geez, the Blue Jays are this deeply flawed team, and they're never going to be successful with this bullpen. And either you think the manager's inept, or you think he doesn't have enough pieces, and this, you know, everybody who is associated with this team should be embarrassed. Like, there is just so little in between with them. It's either, you know, a big triumphant win where they just bludgeon somebody, or it is this heartbreaking, dispiriting loss that makes everybody really depressed. For sure, for sure i think jay's fans have have experienced both ends of that kind of emotional spectrum in the last little while right like you think about like you said that series at fenway Vlad jr hitting these come from behind home runs to tie the game homering basically in every single game you've got got the young guns Vlad, bow and biggio homering in back-to-back games like all three of them you know, incredible offensive performances. Then along with that, you have the blown saves or missed opportunities in the Friday and Monday games of that series with Dolis on the mound. Couple that with the Tuesday night result against the Yankees in which the bullpen once again is front and center in all these discussions. I mean, yeah, it's it's the highs and lows. I think that's the way the baseball season unfolds over 162. If you've got a pretty competitive team, I think the Yankees would certainly tell you that with the way their season has gone. Uh, you know, I think if you look back at some of the more memorable Blue Jays seasons, whether it's 15 or 16, it's not uncommon. And it's not to say that, you know, we know where the result is going to lead. This team has real issues, the bullpen being front and center in that, as we discussed last week. I mean, they need help a week ago or two weeks ago, three weeks ago at this point. They certainly need help today as we record this. But that's the highs and lows of being a baseball fan, I guess. Yeah. And when you only watch one team, like you think it is only your team that does that, right? But like you said, the Yankees have had, you know, quite a tumultuous season, really. Um, the Dodgers had a string where they lost, I think, 14 of 18. And Trevor Bauer was coming out and being like, we need to be better. Like, I came here to win. And, you know, they were like uh, teetering on, on crisis mode. So, like, it happens everywhere. The Blue Jays have dropped a lot of winnable games. Like, uh, I will say that, but I'm not sure it's more winnable games than any other 
club in baseball. Like I, like, I would think they're towards the top of the winnable games dropped metric. Um, but you look at it like in one run games, the Blue Jays are five and eight. Uh, in two run games, they're five and eleven. So yeah, you could push that you know the other way, but it's not like they are one in thirteen in in those tight games or or something. Um, they have lost six games in which they led in the seventh inning or later. That's not good, but that's six games over the course of how many have they played now? Like nearly seventy. So I don't know. Like in the aggregate, do you think that the Blue Jays drop more winnable games than than another club does, or do you think this is kind of par for the course for a baseball season? Well, I think the numbers you just cited kind of lay it out. I mean, they've certainly lost more than their share of those close games. The the one run games, the two run games. And I think that we can connect that to the bullpen, right? It's not to say that it's all on the bullpen. Clearly, there have been some missed opportunities in the field. Defensively, if they had more offense, that would also erase some of these problems. So these are all interconnected, of course. But I think that you know the bullpen, especially as you look ahead, because those losses are in the past, right? But if you look ahead, you say, okay, how can the Blue Jays improve this team? I really do think that the bullpen is one of those areas that you'd want to be taking a long look at if you're the Blue Jays because of all the reasons that we've been talking about for weeks now. You get into a close game, they just don't have a lot of viable options, especially with Dolis not pitching great right now. So you got Jordan Romano. He's dealing with some forearm issues. So, and it wasn't available Friday. So it's not as though you're going to go to him for an inning and two thirds every second day, right? You got to be somewhat cautious. And then that leads to the question of who's next? Who's the most trustworthy guy behind him? You don't have a lot of answers there. So it's a bullpen issue. It's also a pitching staff issue. If the Blue Jays had more overall depth to their pitching staff, and if they had these arms ready to just step into the rotation and be difference makers this moment, like Nate Pearson, for example, they would find a way to use that guy on this staff. Thomas Hatch, same thing. But as it stands now, they just don't have that whole collective ability to get enough outs on a given night. It's an injury issue is what it is i think honestly like that is the like there's a million different things going on but the very root like the very seed of this is an injury issue because like look like ben I'll, i'll build you a pretty good bullpen right now okay your closer is kirby yates uh your setup guys are julian merriweather ryan barucki and david phelps those are the guys who pitch in like seventh eighth inning get the ball to yates in the ninth they can all face leverage you want some middle inning guys in that bullpen all right aj cole can come in in middle innings he can come in with like runners on and has had a lot of success in those spots before patrick murphy another guy who like you know kind of young up and coming but big fastball big curveball like could use them against righties really effectively in middle innings Great. Uh, you want a left-handed specialist? Get some tough lefties out. Here's Travis Bergen. Really good against lefties. I've already got seven guys. Uh, we'll, we'll throw eight in there because you need like a mop-up guy, like kind of a long relief option. Tommy Malone. Perfect, right? There's an eight-man bullpen. Pretty good. Like you'd feel really good about that bullpen. The Blue Jays have that bullpen. They're just all injured. Those eight guys are all on the injured list. So I like... I get it. Like Charlie Montoyo obviously doesn't have enough leverage relief options right now. Like clearly the Blue Jays need 
bullpen help, but I don't think that this, like the blame for what's happening at the bullpen right now, like I certainly don't think it falls at the feet of Charlie Montoya, who's just working with what he has. I don't know that it falls at the feet of the front office either and of the people who constructed the roster because it's like there's eight guys. Like how how much depth could you possibly build to withstand that much attrition? It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, that's a great point, right? You look at that group, that's a good group. That would be a good bullpen and they're all hurt. So yeah, that's that's a good reminder as we're talking about this. And of course, as we're analyzing and trying to make sense of it, the question surfaces, certainly it surfaces it on, on Twitter at times, of who is to blame here. And some might rush to blame Charlie Montoyo. I agree with you. It's just it's tough to do when he just doesn't have the options available to him. And some of the options he does have are even themselves banged up. And then the front office too. I mean, they've, they certainly had a capable bullpen that just got hurt as you outlined. So it's hard to say that the way that they went into the season was somehow deeply flawed. Now, knowing what we do, the front office knows what we do as well. And they now have an opportunity in front of them to address this need. So now they're in this situation. It's incumbent on them to address it. And this is a need that they do need to address and make the most of a team that is incredibly promising and is not only emerging, but I think they're here in so many ways. I mean, this baseball team with Vlad Guerrero Jr. at the center of it has the ability to win now. They can be a team that wins playoff series. And I know it seems so distant and it might not happen, but I really believe that the talent exists on this team to do that. But to to get to that point, they need to reinforce this pitching staff. And that means more work for a front office that, as you said, has already assembled a lot of bullpen arms. Building bullpens is tough, man. Yep. Like, it's really hard. It's the most volatile position group in the game and is so impacted by luck and by crazy home run rates and by injuries. And, like, I just think the Blue Jays built a decent one coming into this game. Clearly, injuries and um, in some cases underperformance uh, in some really tough spots has sabotaged it. It's like, it's funny, this is the same front office that has been like rightly praised over the last four, five years for consistently unearthing like gems on the relief market. Like Dominic Leone became Randall Gritchick. David Phelps became Thomas Hatch and then came back again. Joe Smith became Samad Taylor, who is like currently tearing up double A. Daniel Hudson, Sen Juan O, Tyler Clippard, Joe Biagini in the Rule of Five draft was useful for a while. Like the Blue Jays front office, like I think it's just done well, honestly, like objectively with relievers over time now. I just can't imagine how you could withstand this attrition rate like i don't think that any club could have withstood the amount of injuries the blue jays have had in the bullpen and even the way they've had to kind of push guys like you mentioned like romano and delise uh, maybe beyond is you know the the rate that you would want to use them to this point it's all kind of compounded on itself Right. So I think just as you, you know, you wouldn't want to pin this on Charlie Montoyo and say he's inept, he, he can't handle a bullpen. I think along those lines, too, you don't want to say this Blue Jays front office has no idea. How could they be fielding this bullpen? This is a failure on their part. Now, if it continues for two months, I think it is a failure on, on their part because what you need to do is respond to whatever happens, whatever occurs in the course of a season it's the job of that front office to respond even if it was unpredictable even if it was exceptional um, when it comes to the amount of injuries that you face because 
You know, the best GMs in baseball don't only make those trades that set up a team to compete, but they're able to make those trades on the fly in the course of a season where things go unexpected and things maybe go off the rails and they need to adjust, they need to adapt to what's in front of them. And so to get to that next level where they do have a very well-rounded team that does beat out these other contenders for a playoff spot and then gets to the playoffs and then wins playoff series and wins the World Series, which is their goal and one that we shouldn't lose sight of when we're talking about this team. That's what they're trying to do. Well, they're going to have to acquire some bullpen help and it might be unexpected. It might not be what they wanted to do and it might certainly wouldn't have been what they predicted when they signed Kirby Yates and entered the season with a bullpen they liked. But that's what they have to do now if they want to reach that level and if they want to beat these other teams that are also trying to make a name for themselves and and win some playoff series and titles. So here's the dilemma right now as I see it for the Blue Jays front office as they try to think about how they address this issue. Internally, your AAA options are not exactly sexy. Patrick Murphy, obviously, we talk about him all. We've been talking about him on this podcast for several weeks, but how he could help this this bullpen, I think, will be here before long. Yeah. But this isn't a bullpen that's like one piece away. It's not just you don't just get a Patrick Murphy in there and everything is suddenly solved. Certainly, it'll help, but uh, it's not going to fix everything. So beyond him, a AAA, what else you got, right? Uh, Taylor Saucedo already in the big leagues, like 27, 28-year-old rookie converted starter, Probably not going to be revelatory. Beyond him, you got guys like Connor Overton and Kirby Sneed and uh, Brian Baker, Hobie Harris. Um, Danny Jimenez had a you know a cup of coffee with the Giants as a Rule Five pick last year. Like those are options, but outside of Jimenez, none of them have actually pitched in the majors. Uh, none of them are even on the forty man. So it's like it's tough to believe that from within that group, like you're suddenly going to solve this issue. Yeah. So I think with that group, it's interesting. I do think Murphy will be up soon. I'm also surprised they haven't found a way to use Saucedo in the majors. I mean, they had an 18 to 4 lead at one point. I'm not sure why you wouldn't debut a guy in that spot. But either way, he had great numbers. And so does Connor Overton. So I think Overton and Saucedo are guys that I would be certainly taking a look at along with Murphy. I think all three of them, based on what they've done at AAA, deserve a shot. They didn't use him in that spot because I think Trent Thornton just needed to pitch. Like he had pitched like once in the last eight days and they want to keep him stretched out. So they just wanted to get him some innings. Yeah. Um, like I understand, right? But like, I, you, I don't know, maybe you could have had him throw on the side or, or something like that. But Trent Thornton has earned his big league opportunities, earned yeah. the right to be here. So I would prioritize Trent Thornton being in a game over Saucedo. I would have done it differently, but you know, either way. Anyway, internal options not sexy. Uh, All right. External options like go make a trade, go get somebody. Well, what team is really motivated right now to deal a top arm? Like, you know, this might be one of the best relievers available on the trade market type of arm, right? Sellers have all the leverage right now. So asking prices are going to be very high. Like you want to come trade for a really, really good reliever right now? Yeah, it's going to cost you like this prospect who you probably like a lot because we know you're desperate and because like we know you have no leverage. So Blue Jays probably aren't going to want to meet that asking price right now for a reliever who like could be really good for them over the final three and a half months here, but like might only end up pitching 30 innings for them or something like that. He might get hurt he might 
underperform. Relievers are volatile. We've just established that. So it's tough to like pay a really high price there. Sellers are also going to be motivated to wait till closer to the deadline when there's going to be more bidders. You can drum up more of a market and you can like maybe get players from other organizations that you really like who aren't on the table now, but could be on the table closer to July 30th. Also something we don't talk about a whole lot is that fans are back in the stands this year. Teams are selling tickets again, didn't have any revenue last season. So as a team that like we look at now is like clearly the Twins are going to be a seller. Like yeah. clearly this team is going to be selling off pieces. That team's front office still has a little bit of responsibility to its ownership to field a competitive product and to not throw in the towel and not send signs to the fan base that like, all right, <laughs> Till next year, you know, we're going to start trading pieces away and you're going to see our version of Connor Overton and Kirby Sneed coming up from AAA to pitch in the big leagues. And to the players too. Right? Because you still got to sell tickets. Like you got revenue this year when you didn't have any last season. So you want to like remain as quote unquote realistic and competitive for as long as possible so you can keep putting butts in seats like i think that your owner is probably going to want you to delay any potential sell-off for as long as possible so how do you see the blue jays kind of going outside the organization to make a deal here like to me that's the dilemma internally not great options externally it's hard to see how like a legit deal gets done uh over even the next couple weeks well, I think you start internal and I think you see what guys like Patrick Murphy can do. I think by the time a lot of people listen to this, Patrick Murphy has a good chance to be on the Blue Jays. Like we said, Overton, Saucedo, those guys have a chance to be, you know, something. We'll see. Uh, Anthony Castro surprised people. More people will surprise and emerge from the bullpen in the course of this season. So take a look there. But ultimately, they are going to have to shop for relief help and You've just got to pay that price if you want to make a move now. They might have to pay a bit more. Yeah. That's part of that creativity. You have a great farm system. No reason not to use it. I mean, it doesn't mean that you pay double price. It doesn't mean that you go crazy, but they have a lot of prospects and there are some interesting arms out there. If Daniel Hudson were healthy, he's an arm that I would point to. Uh, your kind of classic veteran rental, a right-hander having a good year injured right now um, with an elbow two-time TJ so we'll see where that goes Ross Detweiler I mean it's not an exciting name but he's a lefty who's getting outs with the Marlins you could look at him that's another like rental veteran arm now if you're talking more on the lines of controllable arms you could look at a guy former Jay Kendall Graveman he's having a nice year in Seattle you could look at Paul Fry with the Orioles he's having a very good year gets a ton of ground balls a lot of strikeouts controllable those are a few names that I would throw out there but you know, if, if you're the Jays, now that's just part of the challenge is finding that name, navigating that environment that you described there, which I agree with. And you've got to get some help for a team that deserves it. If I'm Seattle and I have a Kendall Graveman to deal and I'm clearly, you know, going to be moving him before the trade deadline, like, like I'm looking around and I'm saying... Well, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays aren't the only team that needs bullpen help. Like, there are going to be other teams looking for relievers yeah. closer to the deadline. Like, again, it's like that sort of, you know, everybody stares at the tree and kind of misses the forest. They're like, there's lots of clubs that are going through this. Last 30 days, the last 30 days, Blue Jays relievers have allowed 54 runs for a 502 ERA and a 224 batting average against. Really bad, right? Last three days, Houston Astros relievers have allowed 60 runs, 4.68 ERA, 233 batting average against. Houston 
needs relief help. It's one of the best teams in the American League. They're going to be looking for relievers. Their bullpen has been worse over the last 30 days than the Blue Jays' bullpen. The Atlanta Braves are going to be looking for bullpen help. The Los Angeles Angels are going to be looking for bullpen help. Like These are clubs that have had trouble with their bullpen. So if I'm a seller, I'm saying, like, yeah, the Blue Jays might be desperate right now, but like meet this super high price and we can get a deal done. You're not meeting that high price, which like no front office wants to get written up on fan graphs as being like, I can't believe you gave up this like 45 future value guy or whatever for a freaking reliever. I can't believe that a club in 2021 would do this. Then the Blue Jays not not making that offer. I'm saying, all right, I'm going to hang out, wait around till July when I'm just going to have more of a market. For sure. We're going to step away, but when we continue on that, the letters, we got to talk about George Springer. We got to talk about Vlad a little bit, and we got to do keeping it light and all those good things. So all that, much more when we continue on at the letters. It continues on at the letters, Arden Zwelling, Ben Nicholson, Smith, our producers, Andrew Norton, and Mike Tassoni. And it is time now for Keeping It Light, presented by Miller Light. Special edition today because we are giving away one Miller Light relief catcher glove to an at the letters listener. Very excited to be doing that. Look at that. Arden has it on his hand right now. So for anyone who is listening on the podcast, I should describe this glove because it is something to behold. It's a real leather glove. It has an extension of sorts that's coming out of your normal pocket on a baseball glove. And it says, toss beer here. So there is a very clear, very large target for the receiver to catch a tall can of Miller Lite right there in that pocket. It is a beige and blue colored glove. Looks great. Check it out on the video. That is what we're talking about here. You can go to MillerLite.ca slash Relief Catcher. site should be live by the time that you are listening to this and get your own glove or you can try to win one from us. So for your chance to win the glove, what you have to do and of course we wanted to tie it to fielding because it's a glove after all. So what you have to do is you have to predict how many double plays the Toronto Blue Jays are going to turn in the month of July. That is the contest. Now, of course, we expect a lot of responses. We expect a lot of people to want this glove. So we also need a tiebreaker submission. And the tiebreaker is going to be Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s OPS in the month of July. So two things. One, double plays, Blue Jays turn. Two, Vlad Jr., OPS, both for the month of July. And the winner gets that glove. So pretty exciting stuff. Yes. Uh, and hit us up with your submissions there at the letters at sportsnet.ca. Obviously get them in before July 1st. Anything after uh, June 30th, uh, we're not going to accept, obviously, because then you'll have information the other people won't be working with. So get the double plays turned in July and also Vlad's OPS in July. You need both of them to qualify. If you forget the tiebreaker, too bad. You're out. So get both of those in win a glove go to the, to the website at the letters at sportsnet.ca okay this week's keeping it light topic uh we're gonna stick on relievers and bullpen help because obviously the blue jays need it as you mentioned it's gonna be tough to go out and get like a kendall graveman or a, you know a top relief target right now well maybe the blue jays could kind of aim a tier beneath that 
So I'm curious, Ben, like, are there any kind of second tier arms out there that you think the Blue Jays could potentially acquire near term for like a modest return? Sellers are kind of like hoarding their best relievers. want to keep them for late July. We're going to have more of a market. But is there anyone beneath that tier that you think the Blue Jays could target uh, on, on other clubs? Well, I think they have to be looking for it. And so I mentioned earlier, Ross Detweiler, I think that could be an arm that helps a little bit. He doesn't throw hard. Veteran guy, obviously started for a long time, but he does limit the hard contact. He's got a good expected WOBA numbers based on baseball savant. So not a bad place to start. We're talking under the radar, so I'm trying to go with an under the radar second tier name. This isn't necessarily the most exciting name, but you know, you think back to some of those trades that Jays have made, whether it's Jason Grilly, Joaquin Benoit, those are sometimes the veteran arms that are available out there this time of year. You're not talking top prospects, but at least someone to kind of stabilize things. That could be an option. I don't know where you land or, or who you've come up with on this one, but you know, it's it is tough to find that perfect fit. Yeah, I've got a few ideas. Uh, I, kinda, I pitched Chris Stratton last week uh, from the Pittsburgh Pirates, so I, th- I think he still makes sense. Like high spin fastball, can use him in, in two innings if you need to. It's not a part of Pittsburgh's rebuild, and you know he's not gonna. You know, Richard Rodriguez is obviously a guy that they're gonna you know be holding like and coveting because obviously he's really good. Yeah, go a tier below Chris Stratton. Why not? Um, Michael Givens, Colorado Rockies. I think, um, you know, could be an interesting guy, like not a ton of strikeouts and command's been a little spotty, but I mean, you know, generating a ton of soft contact and low exit velos and at I think 30 or 31 on a team that's not going anywhere, I would think you could acquire him for not much at all. Uh, Blue Jays fans will probably remember him from uh, from the Baltimore Orioles back in the day. Looking at the Miami Marlins, um, their closer, Yimi Garcia free agent at the end of the season big time fastball big time spin he might be a little too high on the tiers here but could be a guy that the blue jays could acquire and immediately insert into leverage also richard blyer with miami who is like again soft tossing lefty veteran guy like not a sexy pickup but he actually has a really strong sinker that gets a ton of ground balls and most importantly he throws strikes doesn't walk anybody and his strikeout rate is like actually kind of surprisingly up this season he's getting a ton of uh chase with this like kind of really sneaky cutter that he's been using this year so that's another guy and then two Seattle Mariners that I will point out JT Chagua who's having this like weird breakout year at the age of 30 in uh probably like his fourth or fifth organization but it's like a 95 96 mile an hour fastball Gets a lot of soft contact, a lot of swing and miss with his slider, really strong peripherals. 19 strikeouts, two walks over 17 innings. The Mariners have actually recently elevated him to facing leverage, and it's it's been going well. So he's got that experience, and he's a former Dodger. Typically, the Los Angeles Dodgers know what they're doing. So that's a guy I'd look to. And then also on, on the Mariners, Drew Steckenrider, who is like another sort of late bloomer type, having a big season in his early 30s. So I would look to those guys as kind of like some second tier candidates who who you would think the prices wouldn't be super, super high on uh, that the Blue Jays could target for maybe some immediate relief help.
bullpens are tough. Yeah. Blue Jays finding that out right now. Uh, what's not tough is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just barreling baseballs. What do you got? Like Boston Red Sox closer? Are you, you know, New York Yankees starter? Like, who are you? I don't care. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I just demolish everything that you throw to the plate. Well, it's incredible. Yeah, seeing what Vladdy does. I mean, I think that you know, watching him just plow through these pitching staffs on a weekly basis. He's homering like every night since we last recorded. He's very clearly the American League MVP frontrunner right now. He's also very clearly one of the best players in baseball. It's not a question. It's just a fact. He's also having one of the best age 22 seasons in baseball history. He might have one of the best Blue Jays seasons of all time. It's incredible. He's the kind of player that any franchise would dream to build around. We're seeing that very clearly on a nightly basis. And that's one of the reasons the Blue Jays need to be adding to this team and trying to win now because, you know, you can look ahead four years and say, man, Vladdy will be 26 then. Imagine what he might be doing. But we don't have to imagine. We're seeing it right now. He's having an absolutely incredible season. And this is a team that deserves further reinforcements. This team deserves the chance to prove what it can do in October with Vladdy front and center. And it's just not hard to imagine him hitting a, a Framber Valdez sinker over the wall in the ALCS or hitting a hanging Lucas Giolito changeup for a, a game altering home run. Like that to me is very easy to imagine. They've just got to find the right pieces to surround Vladdy, but he would be a scary hitter to face at any point in time. And this is a, a, just an incredible season that we're witnessing right now. And even kind of zooming out, like this is what really, really good teams are built on is having guys producing like Vlad is in their zero to three service time yeah. years. Like that is, you know, because that allows you to go out and spend the money you did like on a Marcus Simeon and like on a Robbie Ray and on, you know, obviously George Springer and Hunchin Ryu and these kind of you know other pieces you build out your roster because like Vlad Guerrero Jr. like what what would be like a fair market value salary for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in 2021 over 30 million dollars right easily um way <laughs> it'd be a ton way. of money yeah. uh and the blue jays are paying them like probably 650k right like it's that's yeah, a terrible thing about mlb's system but like that is the reality of it so like really really good teams that have been really successful have typically like taken advantage of those years where you have like massive massive surplus value from players who are you know zero to three and like you can lump like a uh, Bo Bichette in there as well the Blue Jays would love if Nate Pearson could be the example on the pitching side uh you know maybe Alc Manoa a little bit as well who's in his first year of service is Vladdy gonna be super two like do you know off the top of your head yes he will be I would think he is. So yes. Vladdy hits arbitration like this coming off season. Yes. Right? Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. He debuted in 2019. Yeah. Right? So 19, 20, 21. Yeah. So he's going to be super two. He's going to have four years of ARB and his first one's going to be this off season. Interesting ARB case. <laughs> like interesting yeah. salaries going to be because you set that first one and yeah. you build off of it. Right? Like that's a that's going to be very and who knows, right? What? service time and what contract's going to look like uh after the new cba it'll look the same more or less yeah. it'll look yeah it'll look the same but that's going to be that's going to be interesting isn't yep. it to see like what vlad earns in 2022 assuming this season continues and he has good health and continues you know maybe he wins an mvp or he finishes third or something like that like that's going to be very interesting to see where that salary is established in 2022 that he's going to continue building off of until he becomes a free agent at like 25 26 
That's wild, man. Well, the, the Blue Jays need to make sure that doesn't happen. I mean, it, and it will be a big raise coming Vladdy's way. But, you know, you think about Derek Jeter, you think about Clayton Kershaw, you think about Alex Bregman or Jose Altuve. Like at a certain point, if you're one of the best players in baseball and you're playing for a big or, you know, in the Blue Jays case, obviously a big market team, they need to lock them up. There's not, you're not testing the market. You're not letting that one get too close. If he continues this for another, I'm not saying they do it tomorrow because it's just not the time. Yeah. But you could certainly look at that in a few months. If not this offseason, then the, the one after that, you can't let this guy go to free agency. You need to retain him. He needs to be your guy that you build around. It's too big a market. If you if you want to talk about being a behemoth the way Mark Shapiro does, you don't develop the best player in franchise history potentially and then let him walk and go play for, you know, the Angels or go play for the Astro, whoever it is. Like you're not, you're not doing that. So Vladdy, even right now, present day, like what we're witnessing, just so much fun to see him do his thing. And honestly, like if I'm a pitcher on an American League pitching staff, I'm really hoping the Blue Jays don't up their, upgrade their bullpen. I'm really hoping that the injuries persist because I don't want to face Vlad Jr. in the playoffs. He's too good. He's capable of hitting any pitcher or, or walking or doubling or whatever the case. He's a force up there at the plate. So, you know, the, the Jays need to find a way to get this guy in the playoffs because what he's doing right now place what he's doing right now would allow them to have some big moments against the best pitchers in baseball but could you extend him for like a penny less than what tatis got i mean tatis plays a better position and like it was like 340 or something like that like um like i I mean we're talking about well over 300 million dollars we're talking about like a massive financial commitment from an organization that hasn't sold a ticket in a couple years and like probably won't sell one in toronto at least this year i might sell one to a couple yankees fans in buffalo but you know and it's also had to like spend all this money in transporting this team around and setting up dunedin renovating that renovated salem field and buffalo and like so i don't know man that's that'd be a hell of a pitch for mark spiro to make up the chain there rogers communications about hey i need 350 million dollars for Jr. I mean, the, the great thing is he doesn't have to make the pitch because anyone watching baseball knows Vlad Jr. is like he's having a season that's better than any season his dad ever had. He's having just like that kind of season that, you know, Shapiro doesn't have to make that pitch like it or if he does, it's basically like two bullet points. He's 22. He's the best hitter in baseball. We need to do this. Like, I don't think the pitch has to be much more complicated than that when the time comes. And the time, again, it's not now. But, you know, when the time comes, I think it's an easy pitch. And I don't think that a couple, you know, moving around some bullpen mounds or, or adding a weight room in, <laughs> in Buffalo, like, that cannot stop this team from extending Vlad Jr. It just can't. It will be over $300 million, Obviously, it might be four. You know, it might be three, depending on when the timing is. But... Yeah, that's the cost of doing business. You want to win, you want Vlad Jr. You do not want his age 26 to 30 seasons to come for the Red Sox or the Angels like that. You can't let that happen. And I don't think it will, but it's an interesting possibility to contemplate. One guy who's already been paid is George Springer. He has made his money, but he is not playing uh, right now in the majors, at least. He has begun a rehab assignment with AAA Buffalo slash Rochester, whatever we're calling them. I guess the question now, Ben, is like, how long? Like, how long do you think he's in AAA? When do you think he might be back with the Blue Jays? And what do you think it looks like when he's back with the Blue Jays? Well, to me, best guess would be about a week. You know, it could be... I could see it being five days. I could see it being eight days. 
I don't really foresee like a 14-day rehab assignment. You know, I just don't see that being the case. But I would guess they've been slow. They've been deliberate. I'd say about a week. So, I mean, by the time we record next, I could see him being back in the majors. Yeah, they're going to want to see something like, you know, seven, eight, nine innings in uh, in the field defensively, yeah. I think, before they get him back. Uh, you know, they're going to want to, you know, see obviously how he's feeling like, you know, day to day, like how he's recovering from the workload. Uh, and they're also going to want him to be like comfortable at the plate. Like it's been six weeks yeah. since the guy's faced live pitching. You know, it's like it's been a long time. So like they're going to want, you know, make sure that he is George Springer uh, at the plate before you bring him back. To you, like is Rowdy Tellez? kind of the obvious guy who kind of who, who goes to triple a when springer comes back just because you assume the dh at bats aren't quite going to be there for rowdy thinking you know springer is going to need his dh time and obviously uh you know other players going to need to be cycled through that position as well i guess it depends on exactly where they are in the schedule you know how many off days what the state of the pitching staff is i think when it comes to playing time yes rowdy's the guy who loses out i I think there's a case to be made for keeping Telez in the majors as a bench bat. I know the Jays tend to view that a little differently than I might, and they tend to prioritize having more bullpen. So that might mean that Rowdy loses the roster spot. But yeah, I think when it comes to playing time, the way that it should shake out, and this won't be a surprise to to people who have listened to ATL, but I think you go Grichuk and right, Teoscar and left, Springer and center most of the time, and Guriel becomes your DH. I just think the more time that Guriel Jr. is DHing, the better for the defense on this team. And so that's the way that I would configure things on most days, understanding obviously that that's going to switch. You're going to rotate guys through and more injuries will come up as well. Last thing to touch on would be the starting rotation uh, because Steven Matz has uh, tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. So he's going to miss at least 10 days, um, if not a little bit more. Club's telling us that he's asymptomatic and, and that is good. Uh, you know, wishing him the best and, and, and health for him and his family and all that. But the Blue Jays going to need somebody to start here on thursday uh we're recording this on uh, wednesday june 16th so by the time fans are listening to this they may have already you know they may already know who it is but i think the to me the choice is fairly obvious you can't throw a bullpen day there like just with the way this bullpen's been uh i don't think that that's something that you want to flirt with right now anthony k pitched on sunday so it would be three days rest for him not gonna be him thomas hatch is on turn but he has only gotten up to two innings each of his last two outings. He's still only stretched out to 50 pitches. Nate Pearson, it's got to be Nate Pearson. I think he is the guy coming off of a relatively strong uh, outing his last time out. You know, five innings pitch, no runs, three hits, three walks, uh, six strikeouts, got up to 87 pitches. I think this is Pearson's start. I think it should be Pearson's start. That's the guy that I'm calling upon to, just based on circumstance, my options, and I'm ready for him to get another chance in the majors. Interesting. Okay, that's, I wasn't sure where you were going to go there. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Pearson has more upside than anyone else that you're going to even consider for this start. I think I would actually go more toward you know, a Thornton, a Hatch, K, like you said, on three days rest, so I don't know about, about him, but um, I might go with one of those guys for three innings maybe you pair those two together even and then work it out from there just as a way to see Pearson just provide a little more consistency at AAA but it's interesting and and it would be entertaining to watch him for sure 
to me, I just think Hatch is still building up. And I don't want to get him off right. of that process. Um, he threw like 50 pitches in two innings his last time out, right? Yep. So I, you talk about consistency. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I'd like to see him get some consistency. Yep. I just think that it's Pearson's time. I think he's served his time. Like, I just think you bring him back to the majors and, and see what he can do. Hopefully he gets hot, right? And hopefully he finds something and, and he's back to the guy that you know, we've obviously seen earlier in his career because like he is just so important to the future of this organization. Clock's obviously already ticking on him. And I also think you put him in this rotation, you could actually like bump Hunjin Ryu back a day and give him that extra day that I think he really needs right now. You look yeah. at the last few outings from Ryu and it has not been peak Hunjin Ryu. And typically when he goes through these kind of phases of these stretches, it's because something's not feeling great with him. And I think that he's a guy who just kind of carries a lot of minor injuries that he battles through and competes through at all times. And I just kind of wonder if there's something that is bugging him a little bit more than he's letting on at the moment. Cause you kind of look at his change up on, on Tuesday just was not there. And his cutter has not been as effective as, as we've seen in the past. It hasn't been getting the chases and, and the swinging strikes that they need to be getting with those pitches. Um, and he's a guy who just walks such a fine line of effectiveness, just considering that he doesn't have overpowering stuff like he's obviously a tremendous pitcher he can carve up any team in in baseball with location and command and control but he needs those traits right because it's not like he can just be like oh i don't have my command today i don't have my best location okay i'm just gonna rear back and you know hawk 97 98 and find a way to get through this like he needs his pitches to be working the way he needs them to so if i you know if i'm the blue jays i'm getting him that extra day right now and and seeing if i can kind of help him through what he is going through at the moment you know ryu has set the bar so high ever since the jays signed him and so it's important to remember that context as we discuss him of course but i think the month that we've seen from him is the worst that we've seen as a blue jay i mean it's it's been just a little off you know his his command hasn't been as sharp the results haven't been as good and so i totally agree you want to find ways to get him extra days i think with manoa too i mean case to be made he just made his first start ever on four days rest went great i mean manoa has done just a really good job i think he's he's definitely showing that he was ready for this challenge that the blue jays were not too aggressive in promoting him to have an era under three despite facing the white Sox and red Sox and yankees on the road that's impressive but still you want to be cautious you want to give these guys breathers when you can obviously Matt's is getting one right now even Robbie Ray he's been very durable he's made his starts over the course of the last three seasons as you recently wrote I mean he's a guy who takes the ball that's a good sign but still more rest doesn't hurt so does tie back to our bullpen discussion too where the more starting pitching you add the more you can give these guys breaks the more hey if, if Ross Stripling becomes your number six starter that's okay like that's a fine situation to be in if the Blue Jays find a starting pitcher that they can trade for and then that has a whole cascading effect for the rest of the bullpen but but yeah to your to your point I think it makes sense to find breathers for these guys as we approach the all-star break yeah I'm glad you brought that up because we don't talk about Robbie Ray's durability enough like we don't talk about how consistent he's been just in making his starts. Like obviously he's having this tremendous year where the strikeouts are 
actually kind of consistent with where the strikeouts have always been. He's just like really lowered the walk rate, which has been huge for him. And he's kind of gotten his strikeouts quicker and been a bit more efficient with his pitches, which has helped him a lot. But like this guy is like, you know, top freaking, you know, top five, I think, in starts over the last few years and like top 30 in innings pitched, which is incredible because last season he like walked everybody and couldn't get anybody out and still has put up a serious bulk of innings pitched. Something we don't talk about enough is his durability and how valuable it's been to this club. And as you mentioned yeah Alec Manoa looking good Blue Jays rotation like you you feel okay with it right now and you've got some some interesting depth behind it in Pearson and, and Hatch Anthony Kay at AAA level but I think the Blue Jays still need to acquire a starter yeah and I think the Blue Jays still need to be looking to get a starter uh before the July 30th deadline it's not as much of a front burner concern as the bullpen and as relief right now and maybe even as like third base or like just a left-handed hitting kind of utility infield type would be but uh I think the Blue Jays still need to be looking at acquiring a, a starter for down the stretch pre-trade deadline. Right. And I mean, you know, you look at the more games that they continue to hover around 500, it does kind of put pressure on the remaining games. And there's still a ton of them. I mean, there's still almost 100 games left. But, you know, you probably have to go closer to 600 ball than 500 ball over the next 100 games, right? It's got to be more like 60 and 40. You probably can't go 53 and 47 and make the playoffs. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't. It's just not going to be enough for for this team. So all that points to, okay, whatever uh, holes exist on this team, you really do want to address them because you are going to need those extra marginal wins. It's less likely that this team will just cruise in. It's more likely that they will be fighting until the very end and trying to make a wild card in the last week of the season. So you need to reinforce this roster as much as you can. Yeah, the Blue Jays need to outperform what they've done yeah. to this point. Like it is worth remembering right now. I've got the Fangraphs projected standings up right now. Fangraphs is projecting the Rays and Red Sox each for 92 wins and the Yankees for 89 wins. Blue Jays right now projected for 86. Like the point is there are three clubs in this division projected for 89 wins or more. And then you look at the fact that, you know, will Cleveland stick around? Like, I don't know. Are you still going to be contending with them for a wild card spot? You don't know, but I think you're definitely going to be contending with one of Houston or Oakland, whichever team is not leading the AL West. Those are two clubs that have won reliably this year and I think are are well-built rosters. So you got some competition for that wild card spot. But it's kind of funny, man. Like the Blue Jays are almost, for all the highs, lows, peaks, valleys, bullpens, you know, not doing well, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is on fire, all this. So for all this stuff, Blue Jays are kind of like exactly where at least I expected them to be, which is like just on the periphery of that wild card race. In the forest, forget the trees, they're kind of exactly where I, I thought they would be. Yeah, I thought they'd be a little better than this. I thought they'd be, you know, more like playing toward that 88 win mark was kind of the clip that I had pegged them for. And especially, I mean, it's all how you frame it, but especially if you had told me that Vlad Jr. would be the best player in baseball and they'd be one game over 500, man, that's like, that is a missed opportunity. I know you could frame it the other way and you could say, oh man, but they've had all these injuries and they've overcome all this adversity and what a great story it is. All right, it's a matter of perspective, but bottom line the wins and losses do tell a story and there's you know no denying the fact now they're 33 and 32 just one game above a lot of work to do but clearly the piece is there to make this really interesting over the course of the next three and a half months we shall see that's ben nicholson smith my name's arden zwelling uh, our producers this week were andrew norton and mike tassoni thanks as always for their help and thanks to you for listening talk to you next time on at the letters the letters